Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman, and welcome to our final episode in our Holy Habits for the New Year series of interviews. When we think about holy habits, we mostly think about things like reading our Bibles, prayer, you know, things like church attendance, uh, that sort of thing. But what about evangelism, telling the lost how to be saved? It's something the Lord calls all of us to do, but it's also something most Christians have a lot of questions about. Yeah, that's right, Amy. And today we have a special guest with us to help answer some of those questions. It's our friend, Rich Story. And Rich, you've probably heard this a million times, but I was just thinking about, you know, the Lord's providential sense of humor in giving the gift of evangelism to someone named Rich Story, because the the gospel really is a rich story. It's the richest story of all. And, And you are all about proclaiming the gospel. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, Michelle, that's funny. Um, actually, sister, you're the first one to ever say that to me and, and use that <laughs> wording and, and that phrase. Um, my my real name is Richard, but somehow over the years, the some brothers shortened it to Rich, and and that rather stuck. So now I'm Rich Story. Um, actually, depending on what phase of my life, how you address me, I know pretty much where whether whether I knew you from from being a child or a teenager up until now because <laughs> over the years my that name Richard has been morphed from Rick Ricky Rich Richard almost <laughs> anything you could think of within within the context of that but honestly sisters um there's really nothing special about me I'm a regular Christian like most people um I've never been a seminary and I'm not a pastor um I am blessed I've been gifted a tremendous wife and we will be celebrating 28 years together in a couple of months. Oh, we have congratulations. Three congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, we have three grown children, one of which is married. My daughter and her husband have given me three wonderful grandchildren. Um, my oldest grandchild is six years old, and she's in the first grade turning, well, she's about to turn seven, but sometimes she acts like she's about 14. <laughs> my oldest <laughs> Actually, my oldest son lives in your neck of the woods, Michelle. He lives right outside of New Orleans. Oh, and, okay. And my other son is currently living back at home with me and my wife. We both are disabled and face some unique opportunities, and he moved back in to help us out for a while. Um, I'm part, this is rather a long-running joke, but I'm part of the Internet's best-kept secret podcast, Voice of Reason <laughs> Radio, with my longtime partner, Chris Hanholtz, um, we're coming up on seven years with the show. And like I said, that's been a bit of a running joke because we both still have people tell us, I didn't even know you had a podcast. And <laughs> um, we, we joke about that a lot. But my brother, Chris, he blogs on our website, website slavetothekeen.com. Um, I rarely do, but I would encourage the listeners to go and check out some of his articles because he does a really, gate, really great job. Please forgive me. I'm seem to have a bit of tongue twist and tongue tied tonight. Chris teases <laughs> me about that sometimes. But anyway, um, I'd like to thank both of you for inviting me to join you on this episode. And I, I'm really looking forward to discussing evangelism with both you ladies. 
Uh, I am really looking forward to to it also, and we're so glad you're here, Rich. Michelle and I have had the great pleasure of joining Rich and Chris on Voice of Reason Radio, uh, so we knew about the podcast. <laughs> so, of course, yeah, we're going to put the link uh, to that episode and to their websites in the show notes today, along with all of Rich's other links. And Rich, we're always so uh, interested in this, this subject of evangelism. I, I think we need to start out by defining our terms so that everybody's on the same page. So could you tell us what is evangelism? Well, I'd like to thank you for starting out by defining terms, because in today's world, <sighs> words mean different things to different people. And That's sadly, right. like with like with the rainbow, which was God's covenant with Noah, the world has appropriated much of Christianity and twisted it for their own objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, evangelism, as defined by the Bible, the Word of God himself, simply put, is communicating God's means of reconciling fallen man to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, and the working of the Holy Spirit. Um, That is bare bones definition of it. But what I think a lot of people fail to understand, especially Christians, is that it's a it's it is a message. It is a message not just for those living in sin and darkness outside of Christ, but it's also for those who are in Christ. It calls sinners to Christ, and it reminds Christians to remain on the narrow path and brings encouragement to fellow believers. I know from my own personal experience, anytime I see a brother or sister handing out a tract, sharing a tr- not sharing a tract, handing out a tract or leaving a tract or sharing a gospel link online, it brings me encouragement. And I know some brothers and sisters who have commented the same thing, that it brings them encouragement. I've had feedback over the years from true Bible-believing Christians because of a gospel proclamation. They've commented, well, that woke me up. It reminded me I need to get back on the narrow path. So evangelism has, God uses evangelism in many different ways. Yeah, he really does. And and I really want to thank you for, you know, what you first said right there about that the biblical definition, you know, you gave us the biblical definition of evangelism, because that's where we should be getting our definitions from. Uh, and, and that's where Amy and I like to to go to get our definitions for whatever topic we're dealing with. Um, but especially with evangelism tonight, because there's so much conflation and confusion about evangelism these days. So we want to go right to the Bible. You know, people think if if I hold a door open for someone, that's evangelism. If I say, God bless you when somebody sneezes, that's evangelism. If I invite somebody to church, that's evangelism. And those things are all good things, but they're not evangelism. Evangelism is proclaiming the gospel to the lost. So Rich, what is the gospel? Can you give us a gospel presentation right now? Well, the gospel of God, which includes all three persons, of the Trinity is the biblical message proclaimed or preached as defined by God himself. The word gospel means good news, but in the biblical context, it goes deeper. It is the truth of the good news, which can't be understood unless why it is good news is explained. And sadly, in today's world, you see the, the word gospel put in front of almost anything. Um, I've seen it used in the context of social media managers and all these other things. And sometimes people will say, well, I share the gospel all the time. But the question is, what gospel are you sharing? Because there's yeah. only one true gospel, and that's the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and how God reconciles man to himself. But in today's world, the term gospel and even within the professing church, the terminology and the definition of that has been so downgraded. It's like someone diluting down water to the point to where there's really nothing left but poison in it just a little bit at a time. But going on from what you're asking, as far as a gospel proclamation, um, I'd like to share this, that we need to keep in mind that it is, impo it is impossible for anyone to glorify the trying God in the flesh because mm -hmm. his standard is perfect holiness and righteousness. And when we pass out of this life, we'll stand before the Lord, our judge and God and creator of all who will examine everything that we've ever done in thought, word, or deed. And this is, and it's not, it's not if we stand before God, but when we stand before God. Sadly, a lot of times when engaging in evangelism, somebody will say, well, if this and if that, but it's not if, it is when we stand before God. And it's counted for man to die once. We know death is unavoidable unavoidable we all will die 11 out of 11 people die it's just a matter of when we die we don't know but when we pass out of this life we will we will stand before the lord our judge and every lie we've ever told whether it be a white lie a deliberate lie or just a downright harmful deception every lustful look and thought every time we desired something that god has not graciously provided to us each time we took something that did not belong to us all hateful thoughts and words even those spoken when no one could hear us and each time we denied god by worshiping an idol created in our minds but when we blasphemed god by rejecting his existence all will testify to your sinful heart and mind and each time we've committed one of these crimes we're sinning against the holy god the perfect judge of the universe will examine all things against his perfect righteousness and rightly condemn all who have rebelled against him in lawlessness. God does not judge us based on how we compare to other people. God judges us based on how we compare to his holiness and his righteousness. Hmm. And all those who have rebelled against him in lawlessness and sin is lawlessness we will be examined and the ones that don't measure up to his holy standard will be condemned. Such sin against a perfectly righteous and eternal God can only have one punishment. That's an eternal torment in the pit of hell. And there is no end to it. No early parole, no pardon. Once a sinner is consigned to the lake of fire on the day of judgment, it is eternal without end and no cry for mercy will be heard. If we're condemned to hell, all we will experience is the unmitigated, unmerciful wrath of God poured out for all eternity for each and every sin we've ever committed in our life, thought, word, and deed. And such punishment is for those who rebel against God and sin, but he has made a way of escape, a means of salvation for sinners. Man cannot atone for his own sins, and he cannot absolve himself when he is already guilty. Nothing man can do will erase his sins against the holy God, and the wages of sin is eternal death and hell. And this is the legal requirement of God's law. God cannot simply declare forgiveness without just payment being made for sin. Therefore, God satisfied the requirements of the law himself. 
he paid the price sinners deserve so that the guilty might be set free. Now, that's the bad news. Now, I want to share the good news of this message to you. God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the form of man to fulfill all the requirements of the law, working through the Holy Spirit. He lived in this earthly life in complete obedience to his father in thought, word, and deed. And there was never a time that Christ sinned in any capacity against God. He perfectly fulfilled all that the law required. And in doing so, Jesus, as our representative, lived the life that no sinner could. Then Christ willfully allowed himself to be arrested and illegally tried for crimes he did not commit. And he was voluntarily beaten, bloodied, and put on a cross where he endured the full wrath of God due to sinners. He was buried and on the third day rose himself from the grave, forever defeating the power of sin and death. And in doing this, Christ satisfied the righteous wrath of God on behalf of sinners, yet provided a promise of eternal life for those whom the price was paid. Today, today God commands that all sinners everywhere repent, turn from their sin, and trust in the completed work of his Son for the forgiveness of sins. And if you'll do so today, God promises to send you his Holy Spirit and make you into a new creation. He will set you free from the bondage of sin and death. He will change your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. He will change your desires to satisfy your flesh and give you a desire to obey him. Your sin will be put on Christ at the cross, and his righteousness will be put on you. You will be seen perfect in the eyes of God, and he will grant you eternal life in heaven. And this is the most important message you can ever hear, that you can be cleansed of your sin, and that eternal life is available to you in Christ. Turn from your sins today and flee to Christ. Find forgiveness in him today. If you, and if you already claim to follow Christ or you profess to be a Christian, I encourage you to do what the Bible commands us. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith because there's a passage of scripture that should terrify every believer that's not sure about their salvation. And assurance can be given, but when it comes to examining ourselves, we have to gauge our walk in Christ by Christ himself. Because Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew 7, 21, 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And remember, lawlessness is sin. Sin is lawlessness. It's Lawlessness is making a practice of sin. Now, we will never sin. We will never be perfect on this earth. And there's no such thing as sinless perfection. But as we grow in our walk with Christ, we will desire to sin less and less and be enabled through the working of the Holy Spirit to fight temptation and to fight sin and to desire what Christ loves more and to desire Christ more and want to be more like Christ as we grow and walk. And I'd like to ask every listener right now, are you living to glorify Christ? Are you loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Make your calling and election sure. While the gift of salvation is free, it will cost you everything. Your love of sin, love of self, maybe friends, maybe family members, or maybe even your job. But no matter what you might lose in this life, 
the eternal rewards in Christ far outweigh any earthly comfort. And I encourage you today, if you're professing to be a Christian, examine your walk, go to Christ in prayer, ask him to help lead and guide you, ask him to grant you strength against temptation. And if you're not in Christ, if you have some desire to know Christ, if you're wanting to be saved, reach out to him in prayer and beg and plead until he has granted you the gift of salvation. We cannot choose to be saved. We cannot walk an aisle to be saved, but we can definitely go to our knees in prayer and beg Christ to grant us the gift of salvation, sisters. Amen. Amen, brother. There is no more important message. This should take top priority, uh, whether you've never heard the gospel before or you've been walking with Christ for a very long time. We all need to hear that message frequently. So I'm just so thankful for you, Rich, for for sharing that so eloquently. And um, one one of our, the things maybe our listeners don't know is that uh, we all kind of know each other on social media. So uh, one of the favorite uh, ways that we can interact with you, Rich, is on Twitter. Uh, love following you you, brother. And uh, recently, you posted a, a pretty interesting tweet. And I, I want to have you uh, just kind of expound on this a little bit. You said in your tweet, what is the difference in the following? Share the gospel, preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel, proclaim the biblical way of salvation. Yes, there is a difference in each phrase. And I, I'm just curious what you meant by that, because I think many of us uh, think that those phrases are interchangeable. So how are each one of those phrases different? And which one is the biblically correct one to use? Yeah, that fr- that post went over about like a lead balloon. A lot of people <laughs> did not like that at all. Um, <laughs> And, and to answer part of your question, of those phrases, the first mm-hmm. one is not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible will you read, share the gospel. Now, 50 plus years ago, people understood what that phrase meant. And that phrase, best to my research, that phrase originated somewhere around the mid-19th century. Okay. Um, you know, like a lot of things, wording and meanings have changed and evolved over Time it kind of went along with Charles Spurgeon talk about soul winning. Soul winning. I don't know if he coined the phrase "share the gospel," but you know, it, it, this just an example because you don't really hear people talk about soul winning today. But that was the yeah. terminology that Charles Spurgeon used in reference to proclaiming the gospel. But like I said, fifty plus years ago, if you said "share the gospel," people actually knew what you meant and understood that. Um, like I said earlier today, words mean different things to different people. Yeah. Um, it wasn't too long ago I was discussing and I was using the phrase then share the gospel with an individual. And he went on to tell me that he makes it a point to share the gospel several times a week and something prompted me. And I asked him, okay, what do you say when you share the gospel? And he went off on this long spiel and he did everything except actually share the gospel. In <laughs> fact, what he was, what he was quote unquote sharing was a woke form of works righteousness to where oh. we need to be making reparations to minorities. We need to be apologizing and going on and on and on. And I won't get off because that's a whole nother ditch and episode yeah. in itself. But needless to say, I started paying attention. And even now among, sadly, Southern Baptist Convention pastors, they talk about sharing the gospel. And from what I've read and seen more times than not, 
they're not sharing the gospel according to God. They're not sharing the gospel as laid forth in scriptures. Um, there's a well-known member of the SBC, and Michelle will know who I'm talking about, that have they morphed a lot of other things into where now their way of sharing the gospel is, I invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your oh, Lord and yes. Savior, yeah. um, which is a twist and and a morph morphosis of the um, metamorphosis of the whole seeker sin seeker friendly seeker sensitive movement and the church growth movements and all these type of things. But in today's world, I think we, it is imperative that we get back to biblical truth and speaking in a in biblical language and defining terms according to what the Bible says. Now, preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel, or definitely in scripture and proclaim the biblical way of salvation that wording is not in scripture but proclaim the way of salvation is so just right off the bat on on the surface share the gospel is not in the bible i think that uh, a lot of time i think a lot of times though um because there's such a and i'm just throwing this in there because there's such um a problem with women thinking that they can preach and be pastors and stuff like that i tend to use the the phrase share the gospel rather than preach the gospel or proclaim the gospel because if i use preach or proclaim there are women out there who think that that means they can be the pastor of a church because they conflate evangelism with preaching and so is is there any phrase that you can offer us that might uh that might help us with that that's that's biblical terminology but doesn't give women the idea that it's okay to preach anything like that that you might have thought of Well for me personally I went with proclaim the biblical way of salvation because it's kind of hard to misunderstand that when yeah. you say proclaim the biblical way of salvation that's putting the emphasis squarely back on the word of God and I'm not saying I have a problem with the phrase share the gospel. My problem is people have come so that phrase has become so common that no one truly understands what it actually means anymore. The def, the biblical meaning of that has been lost. Yeah, um, I think you're at right. The very, at the very minimum, I might would say share the biblical gospel or yeah. share, you know, God's biblical word or explain the biblical gospel. Um, but I understand what you mean about the, the word preach and proclaim because um, I'll touch on this in a, in a later on in an interview briefly, but um, there is a difference between preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel. Right. And sadly, in today's world, a lot of people seem to have problems understanding the difference in that. But um, I hope that maybe that clarifies yeah. it a little bit. Um, when you're preaching the gospel, that involves teaching that it, that involves unwrapping the mysteries of God that involves going deep mm -hmm. into the word of God and and in a expounding upon the verses and going deeper right. and deeper to, to teach and grow people proclaim the gospel is referenced like I said both are referenced but there are distinctives in those two phrases Proclaim the gospel. If I said, Amy, you need to go proclaim the gospel. What I'm really mm -hmm. saying is, is that the moment you were saved, God gave you the authority to be a representative for him among this lost and dying world. During the medieval times, they would have heralds. They would have town criers. You, the moment you're saved, you were made an ambassador in Christ. 
you were giving the blessed responsibility of being your herald, going about and speaking on behalf of the king and announcing his decrees to those around you. Mm-hmm. There, there, and we could probably do an entire episode on this, but <laughs> the, the difference in that is as a Christian, we're all commanded by Christ to proclaim his gospel to a lost and dying world. Only those called by God himself are to preach and teach and lead a congregation. Now, preaching involves proclaiming and teaching. Excuse me. Preaching involves proclaiming and teaching, but proclaiming does involve teaching to a certain degree. But there's varying differences, just like if if you're a mom and you're at home and you're raising your children and you're teaching them the Bible and you're teaching them the biblical way of salvation and you're explaining these things to them. You're not a preacher. You're teaching your children because God commands us to, and because you love them, you're teaching them, but you're not preaching to them. You're not a pastor of your home. And in today's world though, sadly, too many men and even women go into ministry, go into preaching as a career choice instead of a calling. Um, No woman is called to preach. And sadly, most men that are preaching have not been called to preach. And I hope this, maybe that clears up some of this. Oh, it absolutely does. Thank you for, uh, thank you for that tweet. I know it didn't go over very well, but, um, but I think it's fascinating. And, and we do need to understand the differences in these phrases that uh, can seem so rote to us. Um, And I want to ask you too, um, you seem to have just this wonderful, beautiful gift and such a passion for evangelism. Has it always been that way for you? Well, this may sound may sound a bit strange, but actually kind of yes and no. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was actually saved into an environment of evangelism to where the, the men and, and some women in my life, well, it was online, but the, the, the ones that I was surrounded with, were very active in evangelism and and some of the men were extremely active in teaching, teaching evangelism and teaching others about evangelism. Um, A couple of men were fairly well known at that time as open air preachers um, and speakers. And from that and from that environment, I grew in the area of evangelism, but I will say this, anything I've ever done in evangelism at one point, I thought to myself, there's no way I could ever do that. I can remember <laughs> looking back at, at being taught and told about tracks, you know, handing out a tract or leaving a tract for someone to find. I thought to myself, I could never do that. Yeah. At one point, seeing um, some dear brothers open their preaching, I thought I could never do that. Um, when it came to teaching others about evangelism, I thought I could never do that. When it came to being able to articulate a gospel presentation, I thought I could never do that. In fact, I started out learning how to articulate a gospel message by simply reading the back of a gospel track and then handing that track to someone that I was talking with. And for me, anyway, that was the easiest way for me to learn. And that's why I still to this day absolutely love gospel tracks because They'll go places that you can't, um, you know, you can leave them in 
gas stations, grocery stores, anywhere. And some people have a problem with that. Um, it's the easiest thing to do is just walk up to someone and say, hi, have a great day and hand them a gospel tract around run off. If that's what you feel like you need to do. But um, <laughs> there's so many things that you can do in this area. But over the years, as my understanding grew, my desire grew and prayer has had a huge impact in the area of evangelism for me in my life. If that, I hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great answer. I, I really like what two things that you said there that I really think are important. So I want to emphasize them. First, you kept saying, you know, I've, I've tried to do, I've said, I, I can't, you know, this thing came up and I said, I can't, this thing came up and I said, I can't, but you kept trying, right? Even though you thought you couldn't, you tried it and then you could, right? Well, absolutely. I can remember the yeah. first time I intentionally went somewhere to hand out gospel tracts. I had me and my wife went through the uh, basic training course through Living Waters with Ray Comfort. Oh, um, sure. With, with the Are You a Good Person message and um, his biblical evangelism teaching. We had went through the basic training course and got to the portion in the training to where we were supposed to actually go and hand out a gospel tract to someone. And I can remember we went, we drove about 50 miles to the nearest town that actually had a somewhat decent sized mall. And that's where I handed out, started handing out tracts for the first time. Um, I was scared to death and terrified mm -hmm. when we got there. Uh -huh. We both, we both prayed. Um, my wife, well, if your listeners don't know, I'm in a wheelchair. So that provides some additional interesting opportunities for me but I decided I wanted to do this on my own so she went one way and I went the other way and it was a lot easier once I started doing it than I ever thought it was in fact mm -hmm. I was standing there talking to a young man and the next thing I know there were about six people gathered around chit-chatting and one of the thing, one of the gospel tracks I was using was one of the million dollar bill tracks, and it was exactly like it had been in the teaching. People asked for them, and one gentleman came up and mm -hmm. said, "Could I have some more to take back to my homies in the hood?" And, <laughs> uh, and that, that's the wording he used, and I handed it to him. And the next thing I know, the security guard comes up, starts questioning me because she thought I was selling drugs, and she walked <laughs> in the middle of a drug deal. So. Yeah, that is just amazing. I mean, and but you didn't let your fear stop you. You knew this was, you know, the right thing to do to proclaim the gospel and hand out tracts. And, and um, you know, you didn't just say, I can't do it and just sit there and do nothing. And so that's what I want to emphasize to our listeners right now is that just because you're scared, you know, I'm scared every time I leave a track somewhere, I leave a track like I'm a fugitive from justice. You know, I leave it <laughs> and I get out of there like, like, uh, like a SWAT team is going to descend on me or something something. You know, I always have that that fear. But you do it anyway and it becomes more natural and it's obedient to the Lord to to share the gospel. You don't let your fear stop you from doing that. And then you also mentioned how prayer was such an important part of all of this. And as you have been obedient despite your fear, and as you have prayed through this, the Lord has grown the gift of evangelism uh 
in you and and made you uh, more able to do this, um, you know, in a more mature way than when you first started out. And, you know, knowing you for a while and interacting with you, I've always thought this, it really just seems to me that you have the spiritual gift of evangelism. And maybe the Lord has grown you in that. Maybe the Lord has sanctified you in that. But you just have a zeal for it. It just naturally flows out of you. And it's the kind of thing, you know, evangelism for you is the kind of thing that makes you go, this is what God put me on earth to do. But what would you say to a professing Christian who says, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Therefore, I don't have to share the gospel. Well, this is where you and I sometimes disagree just a little bit. Um, (laughs) I don't think I have the gift of evangelism because the way I've always been taught and understood it, the gift of evangelism was meant for the office of evangelists, which means they are given the gift of evangelism as a means to teach others how to proclaim the biblical way of salvation. It is an office given to the church, just like someone has the gift of being a pastor, individuals or men have the gift of being an evangelist, meaning they are risen up by God himself and put to serve the church as a means to teach others when it comes to the activity of evangelism. And this is one of those words, these are words that have a lot of different meanings depending on the context, because you have the word evangelism and you have the word evangelist. Now, The gift of evangelism is for the office of evangelist, and and it gets into different qualifications. And one of the things, qualifications for an evangelist, they need to be able to teach. They need to have desire and love for evangelism. I may have the heart of an evangelist, but I don't consider myself having the gift of evangelism because what I do is what every professing Christian should be doing. And that's proclaiming the biblical way of salvation. And I think sometimes, to be honest, my zeal may come through more so because I don't get to get out and do it like I would like to because of my physical disabilities. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes that, that, that want comes through stronger than maybe some others because they are actually out doing it more often. And for me, it is something that on a limited basis, the Lord allows me to do it, but I have to understand whatever my situation is, whatever my circumstance, I still need to be finding a way to obey Christ out of love and out of a desire to glorify him in this area. Because um, to be blunt, and and I'm going to just throw it out there just like it is, when people say I don't have the gift of evangelism, what they're really saying is, I don't have the spiritual gift of love. I don't have the Mm -hmm. spiritual Mm -hmm. gift to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't have the gift to love my neighbor as myself. I don't have the gift to love my spouse. I don't have the gift to love my children, my grandchildren, my nieces, my nephews, my cousins. I don't have the gift to want to see people saved. I don't have the gift to want to see Christ glorified. It's not a matter of gift. It's like saying, I don't have, God's not granting me the spiritual gift of prayer or God's not granted me the spiritual gift of reading my Bible. As a Christian indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have all you need to do those things. It's a matter of obedience and desiring to do those things and to grow in those things and to mature. Sadly, in today's world, even among some I know that are 
I would say we're solid brothers and sisters and saved. It's still at times it's like, okay, I've got the fire insurance and I'm done with it. I don't have to do anything mm -hmm. else at all. I can just live my life, do what I want, going about my, my own merrily little way. But true growth in Christ, true maturity in Christ involves deeper things of Christ. It involves wanting to serve Christ. It involves wanting to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. It involves wanting to be completely forgotten. And the only thing people see or hear out of your mouth is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Evangelism, mm -hmm. being a herald, being an ambassador, ambassador of Christ, I call it a blessed responsibility. It is both a blessing given to us by God himself, and it's also a responsibility laid on us the moment the Holy Spirit indwells us. Christ, God himself, could send angels to proclaim the gospel, but he never has. He never does. If you read in the book of Acts, he sent an angel to Cornelius, and then that angel went to Peter and said, okay, you need to come and explain the biblical way of salvation to this man. God used the angel to put those two together, but it was Peter's responsibility to proclaim God's way of salvation. It's a blessing reserved for us here on earth. It's a blessing we will not have or need in heaven. And it's a blessing that we can only partake in while we're walk walking this realm, walking this earth and being in the world, but not of the world. We are to be light in a, we are to be a shining light in darkness. Sadly, it gets into a lot of different things, but people have said that um, there's, no, uh, there, there's no greater example of loving Christ and loving others than to be obedient in the area of evangelism. Now, evangelism will look different for each person depending on their circumstances and where God has put them and where God has led them to be a mother that stays at home with three small children. That's her ministry is her children. Yeah, right. Her, her job, her responsibility is to teach those children, to raise them up, to teach them the things of the Bible, to teach them the gospel, to teach them the biblical way of salvation. The only problem is a lot of people are not satisfied where God has them. They desire more desire something they think, they should be doing or think that they deserve other than where God has them at that moment. And I hope that helps mm -hmm. sisters. Well, it, it sure does. And um, that message that, you know, it's our responsibility. It's not a, a gift for some, but it's a responsibility for all. Um, I wish I had heard that early on in my Christian walk. And sadly, it's not taught a lot in some of the churches that are, uh, you know, some of, some of the seeker churches out there. And I, I know this because I came from that background. Um, and so one of my pet peeves is when we talk about, um, you know, kind of what the, the situation I came from is, you know, you almost ha I have to tiptoe around the gospel. There's a lot of fear there. You have to earn the right to share with somebody. You can't just walk up to a stranger. And uh, and that's called friendship evangelism. And uh, it's just such a, uh, uh, it, it's such a pet peeve of mine. What are your thoughts on friendship evangelism and this idea of, you know, preach the gospel at all times, but use words if necessary? Well, the way it's most commonly practiced is nothing to do about friendship or evangelism. Right. It, it, the, the way it's most commonly practiced, it, you sit out to, you see a stranger, you sit out to make friends with them. 
to to grow in a relationship with them to and you and you wait around and hope that maybe that one day they'll ask you about Christ or or ask you about the Bible and you've got to wait and earn your right to proclaim the gospel to them. The only problem with that is say you met them on Sunday and you're planning on having a discussion with them the following Saturday. The only problem is what happens if they die in their skin between Sunday and Saturday? That's the problem with friendship evangelism. It's if you, if you truly were their friend, you'd proclaim the gospel to them because if, if you have time to sit down and talk about current events or talk about this movie or invite them to church, you've had time to hand them a gospel track. And it's pretty much that simple. Rich, you know, a, a lot of Christians do feel nervous and awkward when it comes to sharing the gospel with strangers. Do you ever feel that way? And is it possible to get to a point where that awkwardness and that nervousness goes away and we feel you know, completely comfortable sharing the gospel in any situation, sort of like a Ray Comfort? Well, Amy, um, to be honest, Ray gets nervous still every time he goes out to open air preach at Huntington beach or, or share gospel tracks. Um, he, said he doesn't that seem many, nervous. <laughs> I know. He There's doesn't no hope seem for nervous, me, <laughs> but he does. Honestly, the, 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 the subject and the topic of overcoming fear and evangelism this is actually one of my favorite things to discuss. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've, I've leaned on the heaviest, the, when the opportunity has come along to teach evangelism, but, to be honest, actually, I feel awkward and nervous all the time, but um, <laughs> but especially when when engaging in evangelism. And I pray that nervousness and that awkwardness, I pray it never goes away. Um, I know that's probably something you may not have heard before or you hear rarely. but Yeah, why um, is if that? We, all right, if we ever get to a point where we feel completely comfortable proclaiming or explaining, explaining the biblical gospel in any situation, we're at the point where we're relying on ourselves and we're not relying on mm-hmm. Christ. Um, Paul, if you read the epistles, Paul often asks others to pray that Christ grant him boldness to speak as he should. We need to remember that Paul often prayed that Christ grant him boldness. And in the beginning of it's in the book of Acts, when Paul was first, first in the city of Corinth, God told him, do not fear for I have a lot. I have many people in this city who are mine. He made it a, God made it a point to tell Paul, do not fear. And that, that wording is constant through the new Testament, but you also see constantly through the new Testament. It speaks of the apostles. It speaks of the disciples or Paul asking for boldness or being granted boldness. So we, we can't just completely dismiss fear. Um, Without fear, there'd be no need for boldness. And in today's age, too many people try to teach we need to be completely absent of fear, or they go to the other end of the extreme and say that and basically are saying fear is a sin. But what we should examine is what type of fear are we dealing with? And fear causes us to be completely dependent on Christ. Now, I'll just go through this extremely briefly, but just Amy say you're going to go hand out tracks mm-hmm. and you're sitting in your car, you're in the parking lot of the mall, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling anxious, um, your heart's pounding fast and you're really, really fighting the urge to just turn the car on, tur- turn the car back on, turn around and drive out and just say, <laughs> uh, no way, forget it. 
But the thing is, instead of trying to avoid fear, we need to examine our fear. Um, there are other types of fear, but in this context of this discussion, we're basically looking at three types of fear, natural fear, sinful fear, and godly fear. Natural fear would be, okay, this is a really bad neighborhood. I just saw a drug deal go down. Two guys walked in that mall with a gun. That would be natural fear. Yeah, we need to avoid that. Or a situation like with tornadoes, that's a natural fear. You know, mm-hmm. natural fear does have a place when it comes to this, because I would never suggest a lady by herself or two ladies going into that bad part of town where there's a good chance they're going to get robbed or mugged or end up in the hospital. And then we have, have a godly fear. That's fear that, well, I'll, I'll just kind of turn it around a little bit. For the Christian, fear of the Lord is a, a fear of failing to obey Christ. It's a fear of not hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. We don't have to fear the Lord as Christians, but fear still plays a part. Now, sinful fear would be, okay, I'm not going to go hand out these tracts because these people are going to laugh at me. I'm not going to go hand out these tracts because I'm scared of what someone might say to me. I'm not going to go hand out these tracts and insert whatever answer you want. Um, The problem with evangelism, even more so different than prayer or Bible study, is when we are actively engaging in evangelism, we're taking that sword out of the sheath and we're actively, consciously engaging in spiritual warfare. And that fear of that spiritual warfare or the temptation to flee because of how we may be perceived by others, that is sinful fear. But if we take and turn that and focus on the fear we have for the fate of the lost, then we can use that fear to proclaim the gospel. We can use that fear to lean on Christ and pray Christ grant us boldness to help us, to guide us, to lead us and to strengthen this. Um, one, and real quick in closing, one thing we have available to us that was not available to the disciples in the garden the night Jesus was arrested. Christ told them to pray to, for strength against temptation. Mm-hmm. That temptation he was telling them to pray against was fear. Because when they came to arrest Christ, every one of them ran and fled. One of them was so scared that he ran completely out of his clothes. <laughs> I think that was I think that was in in the book of Mark. Yeah. Yeah. But you go from there and you compare that to the boldness these exact same men had 60 to 90 days later when they're standing right. before their religious elite in Jerusalem and they tell these exact same men who were trying to put Jesus to death, well who actually did put Jesus to death, the same men who wanted Christ crucified the same men that fled in terror stood boldly before the council and said and pointed out that it's up to you to decide whether we're right or wrong. We're going to obey God. I know that's a bad paraphrase, but they had something at that point that they did not have in the garden. And that same thing is what we have available to us today as Christians. And that's the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we're blessed and gifted with the Holy Spirit who indwells us, indwells in us, who will 
works in us, through us, with us, for us, by God to help us in all circumstances. The problem is, more times than not, we're not completely leaning on Christ. We're not asking him to grant us boldness. We're not asking him to grant us strength to go through with where we're at and to hand something maybe as simple as hand someone a gospel track because we're relying more on ourselves and our thoughts and opinions than we are Christ. And one other mm-hmm. thing that will completely free and help overcome fear and evangelism is this person is already unsaved. They're already bound yeah. for hell. There's nothing you can say or do that's going to have them more condemned than they already are. Right. As brothers and sisters in Christ, as ambassadors and heralds, our job is to plant uh, is to sow seeds and someone else may come along and water. Christ himself, if you look at the parable of the sower, only Christ can get that seed past the bird, which is a representation of, of Satan himself. Christ decides whether that seed gets past the bird, whether it lands on the path, whether it lands on one of the three soils, and then Christ determines the growth. Um, a lot of scripture, you know, is centered around agriculture and farming. Most people today have no really understanding of that, but if you go out and plant a seed in, in your flower bed, you have absolutely no control over whether that seed grows and blooms into a beautiful flower or whether it absolutely does nothing. And the same applies in evangelism when it comes to every all the results are left to God. We're we're just the tool. We're the pencil in his hand that he's using to write out a letter. That's yeah. all we are is a tool. Right. Now exactly. it is up it is up to us to make sure that we study and learn and be able to articulate his truths. But someone that's a Christian doesn't have to wait and study five or ten years to do all this. I mean, you can, as a starting point, you can open up John chapter three, read them verses and explain the verses. One other thing that's paramount in overcoming fear, and this is one of the greatest, greatest excuses or the most prevalent excuse that I ever come across that I, that I hear most, more often than anything else. What am I supposed to do if they ask me a question? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do, how do I respond if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? What if they get off asking me about this, 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 or this? It's very simple. It's very honest, very simple, and will go a lot farther than anything else. There's three words. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with telling someone I don't know. (laughs) Because more times than not, the question they're asking is just to get you sidetracked because the words that you're proclaiming are pricking their conscience, and they're trying to get you off on another subject. But the, the most honest thing you can say in a situation like that is, I don't know. But if you really want to find out, I'll be more than happy to get back with you and we can examine this together. Or we can study this together or whatever. But nine times out of ten, they're, they're not really interested in the answer anyway. They're just trying to get you sidetracked. And right. someone once told me, well, if I say that I don't know, then they're going to think that everything I've told them is untrue. No, it's not. More times than not, when I've had that situation arise and I say, I don't know, the person is so set back. They're like, huh, somebody <laughs> actually admits they don't know something. But <laughs> it's so you know, surprising. The, cir- <laughs> the circumstances will vary. But I, I, that's just the basis of, of overcoming fear and evangelism. And I really pray and hope out of anything we discussed tonight, I hope this section right here helps someone yeah. in their fear 
overcoming their fear of evangelism. Well, it has already helped me. I really appreciate everything that you've said, and I know I'm going to think about that a lot. I know one thing I think about sometimes when I'm sharing the gospel with a stranger, for example, is that they may they may react badly in the moment, and maybe they will make fun of you, or maybe they will be angry or something like that, but you've you've proclaimed the gospel to them. And what about, you know, a year from now when they're lying in a gutter and, and needing to be saved, what if they remember that gospel that you proclaim to them? You know, God could still use that to save that person. And so they may, they may react badly in the moment, but they may need it. They may need that gospel later because no one else has shared it with them. So you could be the only person that shares the gospel with that. I'm, I'm sorry. I keep saying shares the gospel, Pro, uh, proclaims the gospel, proclaims the biblical way of salvation to them. It's, it's so important. And, um, so. Like you were saying, you take that fear, turn, you know, turn it towards the Lord, give your fear to the Lord, depend on the Lord, fear the Lord, and don't fear man. Um, but another situation that a lot of people experience the fear of man and or that sinful fear that you were talking about is sharing the proclaiming the gospel to unsaved family members because, you know, you proclaim the gospel to a stranger, you're, you're never going to see that person again. And you, you know, if you proclaim the gospel to a friend, you know, you might lose that friend, but you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives, you know? And, um, you know, oftentimes Christians are afraid to confront a lost family member with the gospel for fear of losing their relationship with that person or causing a rift in the family or something like that. Can you speak to that, address that, give any, um, words of wisdom on that? Well, that was what I was leading to earlier. When it comes to, for lack, and I hate using the phrase, but for lack of a better way of putting it, when it comes to friendship evangelism or lifestyle evangelism, if there's any biblical application to these things, this would be the situation when it comes to family members, especially those family members that live in the same house as you do, because they're truly going to know whether you're walking the walk that you talk, you know, that old saying, walk the walk, talk the talk kind of thing. But in those situations, that's where truly living out what you proclaim, living out what you're sharing with them and teaching them, that's where that's going to become imperative. Because um, just say if, if you're, if you have teenagers that in your home and say, maybe you've been saved their entire life and you've, raised them and taught them the Bible and they're at that rebellious stage at 15 to where they think they know everything and, you know, all the typical stuff surrounding all of that, they will truly see and know whether you're being a hypocrite in the way that you live your life versus what you say. So first off, when it comes to family members, we need to truly be praying that we're sitting, setting a godly example that we're being true ambassadors for Christ in our life. Because if we are saying, you know, say like, okay, we're telling people they shouldn't drink and then they see us take a sip of beer or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever other scenario you might want to come up with, or if we're speaking against sexual immorality and we're watching things on television that is extremely inappropriate, they will pick up on these things and notice them. So the the first thing is 
we go to Christ in prayer and ask ask to bless us and help us to be the light, to be the ambassador that we truly are to be. Because when it comes to those family members living in our home to us, there's nothing hidden about that. Somebody once said, if you want to know whether a pastor is truly biblical or not, go talk to his wife, go talk to his children, mm -hmm. because they know yes. what he's like behind closed doors. The same thing applies here. Now, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've made a lot of mistakes after I got saved, and I made a lot of mistakes as a parent as a, after I got saved, because at that time, my children were teenagers. I'm speaking from experiences of failure. Um, sometimes we tend to come in very heavy-handed and be very strict and, and demand this, this, and this, but it doesn't quite work that way. Um, one thing that will help when it comes to proclaiming the gospel to our family members um, is to basically hand them a tract like you would anyone else, ask them to read it and let and and say, tell me what you think about this. Or mm -hmm. give them a, a video, a gospel video, or something on YouTube, or some form of gospel message, and just and, and be honest and ask, I'd like to know your thoughts about this. Um, you're, you're still exposing them to a gospel message, right. and you're interacting with them. Um, there's no one stop solution when it comes to evangelizing family members. It can be very difficult. Um, one, one thing, one other thing that can be done, say maybe it's a sister or a brother or, or relative that does not live at home with you. Write them, handwrite them a letter in a testimony type form explaining, you know, this is what, how Christ saved me. This is what I've learned. Include a gospel proclamation into that. And if you know for sure you've done things in the past, against them or sinned against them or offended them, ask them for their forgiveness, apologize to them. And that will go a long way in, in growing and helping be able to set the foundation to discuss these things. Um, you know, Christ himself said a prophet is not welcome in his own home. And I think a lot of times for professing Christians, because of people that we grew up with and knew us and knew how we were prior to salvation, that makes it harder because they're still seeing us as we were prior to being saved instead of understanding we're a completely different person now that we are saved. And I hope that helps. Yeah, I, that really does help a lot. Yeah, exactly. I've even thought, you know, sometimes um, with family members, they love you, you love them, hopefully. Uh, and, you know, I've even thought of saying to to a family member here and there, you know I'm a Christian, and it's it is really heavy on my heart to uh, to tell you the biblical way of salvation in order to be obedient to Christ. Would you mind just humoring me and just letting me get this off my chest and and say this to you, and then you know we could talk about something else, or you know I'm not I'm not asking you to do anything or commit to anything necessarily right now. I just I need to get this off my chest. Do you think that's okay to say it like that? I think that would be completely appropriate. Um, you're, you're being, you're being straightforward. You're being honest. You're speaking from the heart. And I think that goes a long way in just be completely honest. And just like you were saying, you know, this has been on my mind. I, I'd like to discuss it with you and, you know, go from there. 
because when it comes to interacting with family members for that individual Christian, it is difficult and I'm not going to whitewash it or try to make it sound easy. It is not. Mm -hmm. Um, Christ told us our love for him should look like hatred towards, I mean, our love for him should be greater than our love for our family, that our love for our family should look like hatred compared to the love we have for Christ. Right. That's one of those things that's easier said than done because like you said, it is, you know, sometimes it may be a spouse or it may be our own child, you know, it may be our sister or brother or mother or father, you know, whatever the, the person may be. And I think sometimes that is why it is easier for someone else to witness to one of our family mm-hmm. members than it is for us to witness to our family members ourselves. Yeah, you can make you can make a deal with a friend and say, "Look, I'll witness to your family if you'll witness to mine." <laughs> well, that's one way to go, but you can also ask, be praying that the Lord bless your family member by someone proclaiming the gospel to them. That's right. another aspect of evangelism that we never know that when we are having a gospel discussion with someone and we hand them a tract or, and we're proclaiming the gospel to them, the Lord may be using us to answer someone else's prayer. And I think that's oh, a yeah. fact that a lot of times people forget. I never really thought about that. Um, that's, a, that's a really good way of thinking about it. You could be the answer to someone else's prayer for their unsaved mother or their unsaved child or, or whoever. That's, that's amazing. That's a really good way to think of it. And speaking of tracks, I just had one more question. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to circle around back to it. Um, what are some good ways, some, you know, we've talked about some, but what are some other good ways to use tracks in evangelism? And are there tracks that you would recommend or tracks that you would not recommend? Well, I love gospel tracks. Um, if anyone follows me online, I love digital gospel tracks probably as much yes. as I love printed gospel tracks. <laughs> uh-huh. um, there are so, so many ways that you can use gospel tracks. Um, you just, your imagination is your only limit. I mean, you could go say like Walmart and if you're, you've got a half a dozen tracks in your pocket, you can shove them in beer cartons or leave them in tackle yeah, boxes. You can, make, you can make a deal with a friend and say, look, I'll witness to your family if you'll witness to mine. <laughs> or or there's just so many places that you could leave them. Um, I like to go to the book section and stick them into the books that are written by false teachers. And that's another great <laughs> There way. you go. <laughs> that's another great way to go. Um, actually, a lot of times, too, it, it's even still a good idea to leave tracks and books written by good authors because a lot of times someone may be reading a good author and never have actually been exposed to a true biblical gospel proclamation. Well, this is true. But, um, <laughs> and another way is like every time you go through the checkout and the cashier gospel track, um, one track that has over the last few years has become one of my most favorite tracks is a thank you track. And there's so yeah. many ways that you can use that. Like when you're checking out and you hand it, at, hand it to the cashier and say, thank you, and just hand it to them and walk off. Um, mm. But as yeah. far as um, getting in the habit of using gospel tracks, um, briefly, one thing that you can do to make sure you're getting in the habit of tracks is to have tracks with you all the time. Um, yes. If you have a bowl by the door that you leave your car keys in, leave your tracks by your key so you remember to take the tracks. Um, depending on your phone case, leave tracks in your phone case, leave them in your huh. dash on your 
in your automobile. Carry um, them in your purse, ladies. Yeah, <laughs> carry them in your purse. Uh, more specifically, if it's in your purse, leave them next to whatever credit card, debit card, or checkbook that you use the most. <laughs> Every time you stop at a pump to get gas, there's a perfect spot to leave a gospel tract in that little yeah. credit card slot. There, there are so many ways and places to use gospel tracts. Um, and real short, uh, very funny story. Years and years ago, my wife and I, and at the time, our children, we'd went to Walmart and we left tracks throughout the store while we were there shopping. About two years later, one of my children's friends, they were in a class together and somehow they got on the subject of gospel tracks and we, and they figured out that th their friend found a track that we had left that particular night and were st and still had it and had it in their wallet two years later. Wow. That That's is amazing. amazing. Yeah. I always thought that was pretty, pretty amazing. But far as, um, are there tracks that I remember? I would recommend or some that I would not recommend um, almost any quote unquote Christian bookstore or bookseller nowadays has a version of a gospel track. The, the sad thing is most of the tracks that I've reviewed over the years when it comes to places that have, you know, the, the big names in it that are online. I don't know if I can say it on the air and ding them or not, but um, I, I don't, particular like any tracks I've come across from the from the big name booksellers that are online. Generally mm -hmm. it's it's extremely watered down. Um more times than not they have the say this prayer now you're saved type of yeah. message on it. Or it has the watered down gospel to where it basically is an expansion of John three sixteen. And they're very the, most gospel tracks by the the big ones are or are written and designed for someone that is already broken and humbled before christ there's no true meat there's no sting in that message and that's one way to gauge whether a gospel track is solid or not because like i was saying earlier in this episode we need to make sure the why it is good news is explained so when you're looking at gospel tracts, look for ones that put that meat in there, that put in there, okay, this is the good news, but this is why it is good news. This is what sin is. This is how God sees your sin and sees you. And this is the hope in Christ. But for, as far as some places that I like gospel tracts, there's, there's one place that has very more, has more traditional brochure type tracts and they have tracks based on a lot of the old solid old dead guys like Spurgeon and JC Ryle and so many mm -hmm. others. And, and it's called chapel library hmm. and they have a website and they, you, you can sign up for them and they, they will allow you to get $20 worth of merchandise a month for free. They have um, like some of their little tracks for priced out like at three cents each, but they, they will allow you to purchase up, $20 worth of materials a month for free, which you're really not purchasing it, but they not only have gospel tracts, they have booklets, they have books. Um, depending on what time of the year in demand, you can get a copy of JC Rowell's holiness from them for free. Um, they have some very solid materials and I really love and enjoy using some of their materials, especially one tract 
called Remembering Lot's Wife. It was written, it was taken from the book Holiness by J.C. Ryle, but it goes into explaining Lot's wife. Um, they, they have several tracks like that that I use that are designed really for professing Christians. They have one that's called uh, Professing Christians Warned. Um, and it's just because where I live, and Michelle would understand this, because I live in the southeast, <laughs> the, the buckle of the Bible belt, and my evangelism more times than not involves trying to explain the way of God to someone that's been a professed Christian for 20 years, but yet has right. never actually heard a solid gospel proclamation. You saying that, I, I take it, you know exactly what I'm oh, uh, yeah. talking about there. Or, you got to get them unsaved just, before you can get them saved. Yeah. Or, you know, they've walked that out 10 times and recited the prayer 12 times and right. did all of this, but I like chapel library. Of course, I love living waters. Yeah, um, they have too. a great bookstore and great selection of tracks. Um, I like one million tracks.com and I like gospel track planet. Those four are my go-to. And then um, at one million tracks.com, you can get tracks from Bezwin track club. And you can also, and I've noticed that M Michelle, you and Amy have this in a lot of your links. It was where you can sign up to get 30 free tracks a month from Bezwin right. Track Club. Mm -hmm. And those are some really great tracks. Um, if I had to pick one track to start out with, it would be the thank you track. And mm -hmm. I think the, yeah. the thank you tracks is available at One Million Tracks and at Gospel Track Planet, if I remember right. correctly, or they have different versions. But I would love to have had that particular track years ago when I first started out because yeah. I have found myself, even now I use that one probably more than any of the others, but yeah, that one's really good. It, that one's really good to give to like a waitress or a, you know, someone who is serving you, you know, if you're a customer or a client somewhere, just what I like to say is I, I brought my thank you cards with me. Can I give you a thank you card? And they always say, yes, you know, and so uh, they, you know, those are really good. Uh, and we will have the links for all of those and all of the ones that you just mentioned in the show notes. So, yeah. It, and actually, our church uh, put together a little envelope, too, that we printed off with a little um, QR code that you can scan. Uh, young people like to do that. <laughs> kind of new to somebody old like me. But uh, but yeah, uh, people could do that. And then they can go to uh, and, and it will um, talk about the gospel and uh, what it means. And there's a whole website there on our church thing. But uh, so we really are encouraging our members to do that, too, with waitresses and uh, anybody, anybody that they run into, somebody at the grocery store, whoever it is that uh, uh, might like to learn more about uh, what it means to share the gospel and i say share because we share the envelope <laughs> so and and we also encourage people to tip generously don't be stingy uh, if you're going to be <laughs> doing something like that so but so don't, don't tip them so much they, they think, think it's a bribe, bribe to get, get saved. saved oh yeah that's true that's true <laughs> never never leave a gospel track instead of a tip Amen. Oh, yes Amen. absolutely never, ever do absolutely. that absolutely right if you're right. going to leave a gospel track you need to leave a good tip one other yes. thing i'd like to to mention, um, especially if you're in the position of doing it or you have the pastor's ear, yeah. on your church bulletins every Sunday, because most churches print out a new bulletin every Sunday, include a gospel proclamation in your church bulletin. Mm, you, yeah. can take, you can take the wording off of a gospel track and, and make it you know, suited for a particular 
season or occasion, but um, church bulletin gospel tracks is something that I think every church should oh, be doing. That's great. Doing. Yeah. Yeah, just a reminder to our listeners, we uh, every show notes post that we have for each and every uh, podcast episode that we do has a good news button at the bottom. So uh, do go check out the notes and click on that. Uh, sh- and there's tips there, too, on how to share the gospel. So, Richard, it's been so great having you on the program today. As we wrap up, is there anything that uh, you'd like to share with our listeners about evangelism that we just didn't ask you about? Any evangelism tips you'd like to share? Well, I think I touched on this, but um, one thing probably above all else, pray, 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 pray that Christ grants you the desire to be be proclaiming his gospel. Pray Mm -hmm. Christ open your heart and grant you greater depths of understanding in and of his word. If you're not actively proclaiming his gospel, whether through conversations or tracts, or sharing links online. If you're not, if you've never done it, or you just rarely or occasionally do it, pray that the Lord grow that desire in you. And then pray that for the brethren who are already doing these things, that their desire will grow even greater and deeper. Pray for your loved ones that someone will come along and proclaim the gospel to them. Pray that the Lord grant you boldness when it comes to these things. But I think really and truly most all of it starts with praying that Christ grant you the desire to glorify him in the area of evangelism. That is so important. I really, I really think that is the, the key thing. That's where evangelism starts is with a desire to share the gospel with other people and asking the Lord to give you that desire, to grow that desire in you and to enable you to, to be bold and to, to have that boldness to proclaim the gospel to others. And of course, to pray for the people that you will proclaim the gospel to. Um, we're going to put all of your links in the show notes, but can you tell our listeners where on the World Wide Web they can find the podcast, the blog, and your social media? Well, probably the easiest thing is to go to our website, slavetotheking.com. Um, all of the links to all of our social media feeds are on there. Um, the link to our Facebook Voice of Reason Radio page, a link to our Voice of Reason Radio Twitter account, link to mine and Chris's individual accounts. You, that's kind of our one-stop shop to, to go to, to to find us. But um, the, the links to our podcast are on the website, and you can always look me or Chris up on Twitter or Facebook. I think Chris is on several other social media platforms, yeah. but I'm. I'm just still sticking with Twitter and Facebook for now until they run yeah. me off. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Rich. We really appreciated you coming on the show today and just helping us learn more about evangelism. Yes, thank you so, so much for coming uh, today, Rich. I've learned so much myself, and I know that our readers, our listeners have too. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and I've We'll continue to pray for your ministries and pray that the Lord bless your endeavors and and grow you in grace, truth, and faith. And once again, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You are so welcome.
Well, listeners, what did you learn about evangelism today? You can head on over to our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages and leave a comment. Let us know. You can find the direct links to all of our social media pages at our website, a awordfitlyspoken.life. And while you're there, you can click on the Good News tab that I mentioned and share our gospel presentation on your social media pages. And that's one fast and easy way you can share the gospel. And until next time, be sure to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day and walk worthy.